Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Also, I have a new album coming out called Comeback World. For tour dates and more information, please visit josepharthur.com and follow me on Instagram, joseph underscore arthur. Today's episode is Morgan James. Hi. I've got one. I'm good. Thanks. Well, you never know. Never know how many I'll need. I Are you guys on Patreon? We are. Yeah, but uh, um, we need to... Uh, as David Broza was just telling us, we need to like promote ourselves more and also mm-hmm. figure out how to... Uh, <laughs> it's nice to see you. It's nice to see you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, and, this likes, uh, and figure out how to... Um, I mean, now they're talking in Hebrew out there. That's when, right. it, that's when it's serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we need to figure out how to get sponsorship for this thing. Mm-hmm. That's what he was just talking about. Like, hey, do you have sponsorship yet? And it's like, no, we haven't really. <clears throat> My idea is like, let's just do it for like a year and see build where. It. And build it. Or six it. months even. Or six months. We're like two months in. Yeah. And it feels like it's kind of building nicely but it i think definitely is yeah i can tell yeah there's a vibe to it and, it, and are you on itunes audible like what is your we're, platform we're on everything we're on itunes and we're here with morgan Spotify, morgan james iHeartRadio, <laughs> i tune in um stitcher everywhere podcasts are available and okay. the full episodes can be viewed on youtube as well on joe's youtube channel mm-hmm. oh, great okay and so yeah so we're we're yeah, we want to build it, of course, obviously, you know. Yeah. We want this to become our full-time job, basically. Wouldn't that be fun? Just yeah. Just chatting just with your friends. Chatting with people <laughs> that are interesting. <laughs> um, it's the dream, you know. I think it, it's just building organically, you know. Yeah. It seems like word of mouth is the best way to come into, uh, I don't know, into, to approach the modern... Isn't it that if you build it, they will come? Music philosophy. business, but I, th- but it like is. what he, what David Broza was saying was that we need to be more, I think, aggressive in terms of finding sponsorship and right. backing. And I we think try, there, yeah. I think there could be some truth in that. I think pa- Patreon will Patreon, be good yeah. for you. Well, we've it's done, been good for me. Uh, yeah, you, how did you build that up? I mean, you're 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 an Slowly. example of somebody who's built up a, a, an incredible social media presence and launched your career independently and you're having a very successful career in the music business which well thank you which is incredible like it's really hard to do that and to do that on your own and independently that's uh yeah that commendable like yeah, Thank very you. because a lot of people have backings of huge labels and can't make it happen. And well, when whatnot. I had the big label, the irony is they didn't. Um, they taught. I learned definitely a lot of other things, you mm-hmm. know. And I learned how to make a record, and I learned how to make a music video, and right. But they didn't help me build my fan base at all. Right. Some people found me through radio through Call My Name, definitely, and I'm thankful for that. Was that like a, a hit you had, or a sort of hit? Yeah, I, on Urban Radio, I had that on for a while. Uh-huh. So some people find me there, but yeah. But they didn't help me. The label didn't help me develop or help me build my fan base. So when I was right. dropped. 
I I kind of was my management really helped me find a YouTube following and find a video following and find and build yeah. that because yeah. then I was like, well, now what do I have? I thought everything was going to be golden with a big label and uh -huh. they didn't help me do anything. Yeah, that in fact, my manager and I, uh, Keith Hagen, who's my manager, we were. Uh, he was like saying nowadays it's entirely up like artist development is entirely up to the artist and the manager yes and Imperative. if you if you don't have that going on forget it like and in fact like because we we've been in labels before and we started like for my new solo album which comes out october 11th uh <laughs> comeback <laughs> world but uh, um we were looking at la around for labels, and they were they were all the labels he was talking to. They were like, "Yeah, we can put it out in this month or that month," and it was like far away from now. And he was just like, "Fuck it, let's just do it ourselves." And, and it's yeah. like they don't do anything anyway nowadays. It's like you become less than what it used to be, and and the thing is, is you expect them to do it. So basically, you're motiv trying to motivate them to do something, whereas you could just skip the middleman and just do the something that needs to get done. Yeah. And then that way there's no chain of dysfunction. Well, yeah. I mean, the only thing I miss is the checkbook, you know? I right. Mean, and, and I do yeah, miss advance. that. I mean, it's like, yeah, trying to raise money for everything by myself is very stressful and it's not really my ministry. But I'm getting better at it and I'm getting better at yeah. asking and getting better at, at saying can you help me and 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 leaning into the support system of fans and people around me mm -hmm. but that's the only thing i miss from the from the label and the perception that you are a Cre more successful credible. artist yeah. yeah because the that's I what know. the label did for me and i'm glad i had the experience at the label because yeah. now i know that it's not a magic bullet and right. if i hadn't had that i would still be saying oh if, if i have a label then i'll and now I know. Yeah. You know what? It's like I'm still me, and I still had to build these people one set of ears at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it it's it's empowering when you know there is no magic bullet. Like it is. It's very it's like empowering. Take, well, and I know a lot of artists that think, well, you know, any minute when I get the X or I get the Y, yeah. then then I'll have success. And I look, you know, it it's just there's no. It's the human psychology of mommy and daddy will come take care of me. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's like waiting for mommy and daddy yeah. ain't never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's like with this new project that I just recorded a new album and um What's that called? Uh, well, I can't, should oh, I tell you? Well, not if you not if you want to hold back the title, don't. I don't I don't know if it's if it's has a title yet. Okay, that's But fine. I'm I'm leaning towards something, but Give a working title. Well, I'm thinking of uh, you know, a la Hendrix naming it after the studio that I just recorded in and that's called Memphis Magnetic. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I love those images uh, that you post. Of, oh, it's thank something, you. Something uh, lately of, of your sessions in that studio. Oh it was so magical. It just looks like it comes out of like the 60s yeah. or like something cool, like your style too, everything that mm. you're like, uh, I don't know, it's something about it's old school in a fun way. Totally. It's, it was an incredible studio. I've never recorded to tape before. Yeah. And I... And I told all the guys, you know, the band and everybody, you know, I'm wearing vintage every day, head to toe. And I'm yeah. and usually I roll up in sweats to my sessions, you know. Right. And I said, I really, really want to channel something. And I want this, you know, it's new music through the prism of what I love, which is soul music and old music. Right. And so it's it's original music, but it's and the studio, this studio called Memphis Magnetic Recording. Scott McEwen opened this place. It's got 
gear from Nashville that Patsy Cline recorded on, but it's it's a new studio with all this classic gear inside of it. Mm-hmm. So it's just this old meets new that I love. This and that's the combination that I really really love. So, so yeah, I, I was like wearing vintage threads every day, and yeah. I was like feeling it. <laughs> but um, that's interesting because I remember one time I produced the album for this artist named Tara Angel, and I. Um, yeah, she, she, we made a great record. It was actually called Come Down, and Dan Lanois said it's the darkest and truest record since the first Black Sabbath album. Wow. Which was really a great, con- we put that on the cover. I bet. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wore, a pro- I, I called them producer shirts every day. Like, I wore button-down shirts every day. Yeah. Because I was like, I had, I, you know, I had to have the, illusion or create the vibe that I ha- had some sort of authority <laughs> and button down. I can't imagine you in a button down shirt. <laughs> <Me neither>. <laughs> <laughs> it worked though. I'm like, sure it does. <laughs> yes. With what pants? No uh, pants. Just no pants. No pa- just the shirt. Pantsless All you need is the shirt really. It's like the Winnie the Pooh producer. <laughs> yeah. oh <my> God. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. Cause yeah. that, that, that's a really good idea. Um, and, and I think at first glance, a lot of people might go like, Oh, that's, a superficial detail but it's not it matters like if you, you're putting on these characters yeah. in a way and know. i and i just you know and every day i did feel like the boss you know mm-hmm. and i did feel like i was i don't know i wasn't just kind of slouched around i felt really like i was and i felt like i fit in the studio you see the pictures of the studio and it's yeah. so beautiful and so you know vintage and and then we ended up shooting my all my album art there, you know, and yeah. it was just really cool. But with the new album, my manager said, you know, we're talking about chatting with labels or not. And he said, you know what? It, we're in a good position because if somebody gets it, great. And if they don't, great. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter because we're still going to make what, we're, what we made. And yeah. we're still going to put it out. And so I'm not in that position where I'm like, I can't get this out if somebody doesn't do it for me. No, you need and, you, you know, need to find somebody to take it to radio. I mean, there's like a or not. Sti- there's a certain amount of building blocks. But radio, it, who cares? Is YouTube the enough money? these days? That's what? true. Is YouTube too. enough these days? Or? What do you mean? Is YouTube? But I mean, between YouTube and touring and socials, I I definitely don't want to spend the money to go to radio. They spent so much money taking my song to radio, and the second Epic Records lost interest in me and pulled it, you know? Yeah. And that is all just built on money, and I don't want to spend the money there. It's a waste. Yeah. It helps the 20 somethings that want a pop record, but outside of that's a waste of money. I'd rather put my money in a publicist. That's where you need to put your money, personally. Right. I think you between socials and touring and I'm always putting my face somewhere and I'm just I, you know, it's going to be the slow. I'm on that Bonnie Raitt timeline, baby. Yeah. I'm, on, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm on that Mavis timeline. Yeah. Well, that's good. I don't good. care. Yeah. That's the timeline I'm on too, you know, the dude version of that timeline. <laughs> well, but you know, you're in a, such a, an interesting and unique place because you you've experienced the mainstream success a, a little, couple times a over. Bit, yeah. You have, you yeah. know, and and so to have the highs and lows of that throughout different times in your career. Yeah, I think you're kind of. I, I don't know. I can't speak for you, but it would seem like you're like, well, you know what? I've been there. And yeah. and then you're in a different place in your life now to experience it again, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think we are. Well, we well the good thing, the fortunate thing for me is that I do have a relationship with some of the triple A stations like the FUV, yeah, and KEXP, and uh, you know, KCSN out in LA, and some certain people will you know, will uh, will are gonna have me in and let me play, you know, probably most likely. So it's not like rebuilding a relationship. Yeah, you can you go know. play it, but unless you got radio promo dollars, they're not gonna they they're not allowed to play it. They'll bring you into the show. Yeah. I've got people that like me at stations, but they're not allowed to play me. There's no radio promo. I see what you mean. And so Is that I, how it still works? Oh yeah. Honey. Pa- Paola still Paola's alive and well. Uh, it's just yeah. called radio promo now. It's called radio promo. And people, now. you know, it's it's like it, extortion. Well, well yeah. Duh, dude, the music business is rough. (laughs) It's complicated. It's complicated. Remember that Hunter S. Thompson (laughs) quote about the music business? I'm gonna look it up. It's it's really worth looking up because it's good. But um, it's yeah the yeah it's like basically you gotta like there's radio promo, and then you gotta pay exorbitant amounts of money for like a shot at your song, getting getting added to regular rotation. Essentially, yeah, that's yeah. that's how it kind of works. I'd rather make videos and spend it on a publicist or spend it on touring. I'd much rather reach people live because that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm a live performer and and I love, love touring and I love reaching people in that way, in a real way, in the, you know, in a way that they can feel and how do you how do how do like how do you get new fans? That's what I'm always curious about. Because like your videos have some of them have millions of hits. Yeah. And I feel that instantly translates into some sort of success. Well, I mean that's people sharing it. It's grassroots, definitely. But people, I mean that's how I built my fan base was a couple videos going viral, viral. you know, and then people sharing it, and then people finding, and then I just hope that it's a gateway drug to other things I do. That if maybe somebody finds me doing a cover, that they'll maybe find my original music, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 however somebody finds me, I'm like, great, welcome, you know. Mm-hmm. Because if they found me through Broadway or if they found me through, you know, PMJ or whatever, then it's okay. They'll find the rest of what I do, and hopefully they'll like it and they'll stay. And then it's about just engaging people and making them feel welcome in your world and on your journey. And saying to people, you know, back in the in, back in the day, you could say, I don't care what my fans think. You could say. I don't care if anybody likes me, you know. And well, it, used you can't to be, it used to be cool to be It used be to be like cool that. to be like that, now which would be not, fun. Now it's not cool to be like that. Well, you can still be a jerk if you want to, but yeah. and and I and I'm not for everybody. I'm definitely prickly, but I think that what I do say what is. What do you mean you're prickly? I'm just. I'm an acquired taste. You are? Hold on. Let me read this quote. <laughs> the music business is a cruel and shallow money trench, a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free and good men die like dogs. There's also a negative side. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> right? I, I love mean, that. I mean, oh my god! But, but, but there's also yes. a negative side at the end. <laughs> it's like so that's the turn of genius right there. So perfect. Like, oh my god. Yeah. So you're prickly, huh? I I find you. I don't know. Charming. Effervescent and. Yeah, thank you. I don't know. I. Uh, Maybe I met Thank you on you. a good day. Well, how, how do you mean you're prickly? Well, I mean, um, acquired taste. I'm I'm uncompromising and I'm stubborn and I'm. Uh, you're ambitious. I, I, well, and but I always tell the truth and I'm and 
That's hard for people. It, I think that's hard. I, my, some people don't like my politics. I'm. I I think that I'm. What do you mean your politics? Well, some I think that you and I agree on most things, but there are a lot of my fans that don't like my politics. You know, and I have to kind of answer to that, and and accept that they're gonna be. I'm gonna lose people because you know I'm a I'm a liberal and I have my platforms that I really you know believe in and and will always fight for and there's. There are a lot of people that find my videos that then don't like my politics. I mean, there's lots of, but I'm not going to be somebody who's neutral. That's just not, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm very like, I mean, I think it's hard to be in my band. I think I'm very, a very stern boss. Like I like things the way I like them, you know? Uh -huh. you're, you're controlling. Yeah. <laughs> I like to get things done. I like to, I, and but but I don't leave it to other people. I will be the one at the end making sure, dotting everything, and you know, seeing everything through. So it's not like I'm controlling, but then I let other people do my work. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just a strong personality, you know. But I think that when I say to, or when I invite people to come on the journey and say, you know, thanks for being, thank, thank you, you know, for showing up. I know you can be somewhere else with your time and your money, you know? It's like, right. more than ever, we need to remind people how special it is that people still go hear live music. Yeah. It's like, now it's like dire. Everybody's just at home. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but um, when you, you've been touring, you've been touring in Europe too, right? Or Yeah, we've gone to, tour, to Europe twice with yeah. the band, and, and then we do, we usually do Europe once and the US like kind of a couple times a year. Yeah. And is your new album, is it going to be mostly originals or is it covers? or is It's it all original, yeah. All originals. All original soul music. We also ended up um, recording five classic Memphis covers as well, just, uh -huh. you know, for later. And um, But yeah, uh, 12 original songs. And um, did you write them yourself or did you co-write? I co-wrote all of them, yeah. Yeah, who with? I co-wrote um, like eight of them with Doug Womble who produced the record as well. Uh -huh. I co-wrote one with Chris Barron of The Spin Doctors. Oh, okay. Like a long time ago, and it's never is found he, a home. Is he the lead singer of The Spin Doctors? Yes. You need to have him on here. He's really? awesome. I would love to. Oh, my oh, God. We know Aaron Cummins very well. Oh, I love Aaron. Yeah, of course. Doctors, no, so we could, we you and Chris, Chris would be like besties. I like that guy. You're so That's a good idea. I'll reach out. Yeah. What, uh, Tell him I sent you. Um, what's, what's he like? Or how'd you meet him? I met him because I know his wife, who's an actress. She's oh. amazing. And Are they New York people? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, they live on the Upper West Side. Oh, okay. But Chris, uh, and then I wrote one with Jesse Fisher, this other, um, and I wrote one with Ryan Shaw, this incredible soul singer. We wrote a duet together. Mm -hmm. um, Mark Broussard does a duet with me on the album. Oh, uh, he's, he's great. He's amazing. <coughs> yeah. He's Mar so Mark's dreamy. Mark's a fan of Joe's, and he played City Winery a few nights ago. I was there. We tried oh, to you were? We, yeah. were? we were there, too. We were, uh, we were uh, interviewing there. Jacob Dylan up the stairs. <laughs> I thought I saw Jacob there. Yeah. 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 But we tried oh, to get Mark you. after his show, but he had to leave uh, New York. But we, we'd like to have him on. Did he's, you, he's an amazing singer. He's amazing, though. yeah. Did he's you amazing. see the Jacob Dylan documentary? No. It's called uh, Echo in the Canyon. Okay. It's real good. You would love it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because it's from like 1965 to 66 in the West Coast, and yeah, and the um, great artist that you know of the California West Coast folky uh -huh. kind of scene. Yeah, and Jacob Dylan interviewing him. 
Oh, that's really cool. Okay, I'll check it out. It's real, real good. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, so it's um, but yeah, it's original music in the with the instrumentation that I love. You know, it's no electronic elements. It's no, and this is the first time. It's like a horn section, one mic, mm-hmm. string section, one mic, three girls, one mic. You yeah. know, and and it's it's that classic kind of um, recording style that I've always wanted to do for a project you know what's key in that classic recording style is all the vocals are just distorted as hell like through compression and like they're like they just like a lot of those vocals are distorted compressed compression distortion from compression and analog gear when, yeah. when you were singing uh and recording in that realm were you just like having that nice great vocal sound type of thing well i recorded on a sony um c500 fet and the vintage sony mic which i love uh-huh. sony mics and um i mean the key to that it's funny because we brought in a couple like legendary guys for a couple sessions um engineers or no uh, musicians, musicians um uh reverend charles hodges and leroy hodges and and they recorded on all those Al Green records and all these classic records. Amazing. And when they came in, we they didn't tell us this, but basically they were used to back in the day, high records and all that. They would rehearse a song like 75 times, no joke, and mm-hmm. then cut tape once. Yeah. <laughs> so they wanted to rehearse over and over and over. And we were like, okay, okay, you know. And they were amazing, but they're used to, you get everything you need. You can't go back and, or you can, but you don't, you just, that wasn't the practice to go back and do things over and over and over or recut anything or overdub. Or overdub. And so it got me in a different mindset too vocally because I'm already like, you know, pretty, you know, perfectionist in the studio, but it was just like, I kept a lot of first takes. I kept a lot of complete takes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really cool to capture a performance. Yeah, totally. You know, it's cool. Yeah, John Leckie, who produced uh, Radiohead, The Bands, and he produced The Stone Roses. I got, and he almost produced my first album. We started working together at Real World, but he told me, um, the more you record at one time of the complete record, the better. Mm. That sounds like what you're talking about. Yeah, there's something about them. And also, you know, like, Getting the, all the band playing together and me singing together and getting that take of what that felt like and yeah. I don't know that's just that's really it's the thing because yeah. it's like all, all that invisible magic is like maintained you know well and it's also you know I really like you know like I said I'm I'm really think that I'm a live singer and I think that I why people come to see me is what I can do live you know mm-hmm. and so what I really wanted on this record was for people to say take their record home and say yeah i heard that that's like that's what i heard rather than you know it's mm. a record that's um and these records are great too but full of lots of ingredients that you never heard on the on the live show you know yeah. or a voice that you didn't hear on the live show i want people to s- that's how all my records are <laughs> but, the, but that's okay <laughs> too just, you know, the, I know. <laughs> that's amazing too <laughs> well no but i agree with you I but want, for this i just wanted to capture that you know yeah yeah. So you had those guys from Al Green's band, and yeah. who, like, how long were you down there for? Ten days. Where'd y'all stay? At my mother-in-law's. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So your <laughs> husband. My husband's is from Memphis. From Memphis, yeah. and that's what brought you down. Well, you and know, and your husband's a really good guitar player, right? Yes. What's his name? Doug Womble. Doug Womble. Yeah. Oh, that's the who you, who's the producer yeah. who you co-wrote with. Yeah. 
Yeah, AKA your husband. AKA my husband. <laughs> so it's all in the family. It's all in the family. Yeah, you know, it's like Memphis is one of those great homes of soul music, you know, stacks and high records and yeah. all that. And and I've always wanted to do something, make a classic record like that, you uh -huh. know? And, and I feel like I've gotten these little tastes of these places, like when I worked on Motown, you know, and, and getting that Detroit flavor and, and there's, there's such a different scene and when you go to Detroit and when you're in Nashville and you when you're in Memphis. You went to Motown and did well, that? Well, no, I did Motown on Broadway, but then I was oh. kind of in, then I was kind of in the world of Barry Gordy Jr., you know, so it was kind of, that was, and I did go visit, of course, and make pilgrimage there and. Um, and just that little room, right? Yeah, Motown's yeah. small, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Interesting, so you did Motown on Broadway. I did. I didn't know that. I did, yeah. I played like Tina Marie and Doris Day. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. You yeah. multiple characters. Yeah, and the landlady, you know, just ran and the random white person in the How back. How long were you on Broadway for? Well, I did I did four Broadway shows. So I did, I was on all, all together five years straight. Um, yeah. What's that like? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <clears throat> or how did you even get into Broadway to begin with? Well, you went to Juilliard. I right? went to Juilliard. I studied voice, and then I wanted to be on Broadway, and so I, you know, my voice. That was your original goal to be on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. I, I really didn't think I was going to end up making records and doing all this. Yeah. But I, I wanted to be, yeah, I wanted to be a classic ingenue on Broadway, and um, I started auditioning, and I, you know, really didn't didn't get much work, and so I was. It was the classic tale of like I was catering and waiting tables and babysitting and tutoring and bartending and doing everything. And this is straight out of Juilliard at the same time as Juilliard. Straight or? out of Juilliard, yeah. So I would you, get this and that. How old were you, like? Like you know, twenty two. Okay. And I would audition. I would do like summer stock, and then there'd be six months of no work, and then you get maybe a regional job, and then you have six. I mean, it's the it's like it's a grind it's a grind and so i was auditioning all the time yeah. took me took me many years to get my first broadway show but then i i did that got and on what Bro was the first one my first broadway show was the adams family with nathan lane that's amazing yeah and what were you in that i was in the ensemble and i covered wednesday adams oh, okay and um daughter yeah and then i did wonderland the alice in wonderland musical that closed in 27 days and then I did. So it was a success. It was. Uh, I think it was me, really. Um, yeah, it was your fault. <laughs> I think so. And then I did Godspell, and then I did Motown. And let me tell you, people ask me all the time, like, "Well, how do you t keep up with your tour schedule?" I was like, "I did a Broadway show. I can do anything because mm -hmm. it's so hard." Was it daily, every day? Like it's eight shows a week. It's relentless. It's and relentless. Those people are rock the true rock stars because they and th that's not all they're doing yeah. they've got families they're doing benefits they're doing yeah. shit all day they're I like that incredible energy though like oh when, it's incredible like touring life is something relentless about that i create i love it i create relentlessness in my life yes when it you do i get it, exhausted looking at your instagram yeah when it doesn't <laughs> exist you know because i have to you know yeah like, you know i just it's it's i don't know that pace like when life is chasing you, it's... We have to be like a shark. <laughs> if we slow down, we'll die, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, yeah, we'll have a thought and a feeling. And yeah. Then, <laughs> which could spiral us down. I, you know, I love, I miss a lot about being on Broadway and I, and I just, it taught me so much about stamina and work ethic and strength and community and mm -hmm. so much. And uh, I miss all that. But, um, I, what I, 
why I ultimately left that world is because I really wanted, you know, I was kind of working towards someone else's vision. Mm-hmm. You're working every night on someone else's dream. And I was like, you know what? I want to work for myself. I want to every single night sing my own music and work on my own dream. Mm-hmm. And so your dreams change, you know, your dreams evolve. And what I wanted when I was 22, and I'm lucky, I'm one of the lucky ones that got to experience that and got to achieve that dream and, you know, in some ways. And, and then your dreams evolve and they keep, you keep kind of adding to them. Right. Yeah. If you're strong enough to keep them alive, like, um, you know, not everybody, a lot of people don't have dreams that can remain alive, you know, or even, even a lot of people give up on life yeah a lot of people have dreams and think that that's all you need is a dream and don't realize that a dream is only as good as the work you put into getting there yeah or i've heard also it's not about the dream it's about who you become in the process of achieving your dream yeah and i I like that a lot too so it's like yeah if you dream big the character that you have to become to achieve your dr- your big dreams uh-huh. that's the point of your dream mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i hear you know i've kind of come across a few people in in lately that say well but this is my dream but that's my dream and and they've taken no steps toward it and they've taken mm-hmm. and they've made no growth that would include it and i wonder yeah. I, you know i wonder how that works i don't know i've i've um i don't think that it just happens it's not like um there's somebody out there granting wishes you know it's it's all about how much work you put in yeah i but i've definitely been weirdly on both sides of that equation a lot of time or 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 maybe maybe everybody is but just like partially definitely putting in the effort to achieve my dreams and then partially waiting around for somebody to come and like (laughs) make it come true for me you know but weren't you ready when somebody made it come true Hadn't you done the work on yourself and on your music? I thought I was. (laughs) (laughs) I still had a lot of work to do. Well, don't we all? (laughs) We always do, but, you know, it's about when when opportunity hits, you know, having, being ready for that, Mm -hmm. you know. You can't then do the preparation you needed. Yeah. You know. So you built up a lot lot of what you did with your career through putting uh, songs on YouTube, right? Yeah, you know, I think that the... The biggest thing that built my fan base was I did a couple videos with Postmodern Jukebox back five or yeah four years ago. And what's Postmodern Jukebox? They're like a, a music collective that that got viral success a few years ago and now tours the world. And they kind of, um, you know, I think it started kind of, it started with this guy, Scott Bradley, that was kind of tongue in cheek. And then people really, really loved it. And um, so I did a couple videos that went viral and did three tours with them. And that's how a lot of people find me still. What were those videos? I did like um, maps and, you know, like they take pop songs and put them in an, a different style. Maps by uh, what Maroon is 5. Ma- um, they're called Maroon 5? Not the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I thought it was Yeah, Yeah, they Yeah. Also have a no, song maps. different. Oh. And then we did like an all about would, that bass with went viral. Before Maroon 5. And, and then <laughs> and what else did you do? I did like an all about that bass that went viral and like, you know, a few, I did a few of their videos and, and what I think people really responded to on those videos is that they're just, they're, they're live and they're very simple. Like it started like with one camera in somebody's basement, you know, and Uh anyway, that's how most people found me. And then I'd started my own channel and, and my 
manager was like, you need to start just releasing covers. I was like, I don't want to do covers. Nobody wants to see me do that. I want to do my own music. And he's like, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. Let people find you. They're going to search for this and find you and then find your music. And and he was right. And that's exactly what it did. Yeah. And I remember when we first met and you were encouraging me to do that too. Like you should do covers, you know? And I, I think I should too. I told you that. You totally Years should. Ago, I, was like, I should. Yo, you should do Marilyn Manson. Covers. You should do anything like. Why Marilyn Manson? Why it's that's because I just feel like it, it could be they're, anything. They're, yeah, I know. I was, you know, yeah. just anything. Yeah, but, but a lot of artists <laughs> like look. Ryan Adams did the Taylor Swift uh, cover, like the whole album of. Well, her. then I started doing yeah, before before he did. I started doing this like full albums. Full albums. I've done four full album covers. That's amazing. Five, five full albums. You did covers. the White Album. I did the White Album. I did Blue, Joni Mitchell. I did Black Messiah was the first one we did, and I did it that's, a, a that, month after D'Angelo came out with that record. That's all. That's some Hendrix type shit. When like Hendrix like played Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club yeah. Band like two days after the Beatles put yes, it out. Yes. Oh my God. Paul McCartney and John Lennon in the audience. He he like <laughs> opened up a show with Sgt. Yeah, he opened Incredible. up like, it was 20 years ago today, like two <laughs> days after the Beatles put it out. Like that dude so was crazy. on fire. So that's cool. So you did that how, how like how long I did after D'Angelo? One month. It? One month. That's amazing. We and did the whole album. And then I did the. Did, I did he hear it? I think the band did. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because some people, I guess Chris Rock and. Uh, Q-Tip on their podcast a couple years back was uh, were talking about me but didn't know my name and so they kept saying did you see that white girl that did <laughs> I was like that's me I'm the white girl anyway and then I did Jeff Wait, Buckley no. Grace what's that like when uh, when you're listening to that and they're calling you the white girl like did you want to like tweet at them and be like yo I was I'm, like yo it's me did you do that totally yeah totally I mean I would oh yeah like, totally but you know no and it, but it was very controversial <laughs> it was very controversial when people saw a lot of people really liked that and a lot of people were like what business does she have recording that album but anyway you know why because of the because uh, you're white well and it's you know that album was so I, I'm I think it's the best album that's come out in the last 10 years and I, I think that it's um, it was such a response to the political climate and to the you know racial climate in this country, and I think that mm, you know not everybody wants to hear me my take on that, even though it was a straight cover, didn't change a thing, and not everybody wants to hear that, and I, I and I respect that. But if anybody knows me and knows where I come from or listen to the full cover, they know that it comes from a from a good place and from a place of absolute respect of why he made it and you know mm-hmm. everything so and where do you come from where were you born and raised well uh, i come from the whitest place on earth but uh, but i uh but, I mean, it doesn't matter it was just a segue i come from idaho come from. <laughs> idaho <laughs> yeah i heard actually I nobody heard. escapes <laughs> well you did <laughs> i did um is that boise i was born in boise and i was raised in pocatello Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I was in Idaho for about ten years. I heard Boise's like a super cool ass city now. I mean, I've been there. It's, yeah. But like that's like a place where people are migrating to. Yeah, a lot of people are going to like Sun Valley and some of the really beautiful parts of Idaho. You know. Do you go back there? I'm going in two weeks. Oh, I'm going yeah. to Sun Valley. Yeah, I don't get back too often because it's just you know I travel all the time, so it's it's hard to take dedicated trips anywhere else. But right. I love going back. That's cool. Yeah. So then you did Jeff Buckley's Grace because we had Gary Lucas on this podcast oh. too, who uh, helped him write. Yeah. 
Wow. Mojo Pin. And, I love uh, that album so much. And Grace. Yep. And he wrote the guitar riffs on that that are like so identifiable. All that stuff. And that album is just so good. And they got rid of they got rid of him. And I think it was the biggest mistake Jeff they got Buckley, rid of what? Jeff Buckley ever made was they got rid of Gary Lucas. Oh. The, well, gu- the guitar player. Well, the album sounds amazing, so. Well, he did, yeah, but, but then, yeah, but then the follow-up one is like not, not really. There wasn't a, a follow-up one. Yeah, there was like letters to my sweetheart, the drunk. After it was posthumous though, so who knows what he would have wanted? I know, but he was in the stu- He was about to go in the studio in Memphis when he passed away. So yeah. I don't, I don't think we can. That's like judging like right. the the, the journal of Tupac now. It's like he was dead, you know. Who knows what he wanted the next album to sound like? I know, but this maybe he wanted to bring Gary back in. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we can speculate forever, but that Grace is a masterpiece. It's weird, but it's a masterpiece. Yeah, it is. It's great. Yeah. Now, do you reinvent these at all when you do them? Well, not really. I don't. I don't like. um, I really don't like. Let's do a pop song in seven, just because to be clever. Because if something's great, it was great for a reason, and. I don't know, that's me, but I like to, you know, the white, all these albums I did in all the original keys, except for Grace is a little difficult. I had to change a couple keys because he sings like an insane person, you know, so, Mm -hmm. but uh, all the other ones I did in all the original keys and I don't reinvent it. I just, my voice on it's going to sound different anyway and my way of singing is different. Um, Every time I do a cover, I always reinvent it. Sometimes I, I've done that. I did like Dancing in the Dark. Bruce Springsteen does, certainly doesn't sound like Bruce, you know. Did I? I certainly sometimes reinvent, but I don't, you know, I don't like. Let's turn it into a samba. That's kind of like. Meh. Yeah, I don't turn it into a samba. I normally make it like a sad acoustic version, <laughs> no matter what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. But you put you, you're you, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I make it sad and acoustic. <laughs> the Joseph Arthur story. <laughs> Um. Well, let's hope my story's not sad and acoustic. Did you hear from Joni Mitchell or any of her peeps? I didn't. No, no. I didn't. I mean, I wouldn't expect that you would, but no. I mean, I did. I at City Winery last last year. I did, or in November, I did all blue front to back. Uh huh. And um, and I've been traveling around doing blue and white together. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So it's called Blue and White. I did this f- from Blue to White tour. Yeah. Um, do you do the whole, both albums? I don't. Uh, white no. is too long. Uh, white's 30 songs. Yeah. But I do like this and that, you know. Rocky Raccoon. Yeah, I, do, I just do like the hits, you know. Yeah. But it was fun. It was fun. But it made me miss doing my music. It was like, okay, I, I'm ready to sing my new record. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, are you touring and stuff for your new record? I'm going to. Yeah, I haven't toured in a while, but well, I toured with Arthur Buck. Yeah. We did a short tour, but I I got that. It was okay. It was cool. We did we just did a second record, so Oh amazing. When's that coming out? I don't know. It's almost done though. It's it's come out really good. Cool. Yeah, so and then Did I tell you we ran into him in, in Portland? Peter Buck. Peter Buck getting out of a cab. Where, how, who did? So we were in a, a cab, three of us, and I said, oh, that guy looks like Peter Buck. In the, in the, I've never met him, obviously, in the crosswalk. And then my husband went full fanboy and jumped out of the cab and was like, 
Peter like screaming at him. And I was like, oh my God. So he's like, my, this is Morgan James. She's saying on, with, she knows Joseph Arthur. He totally went fangirl on him. And Peter Buck was like, cool, hey, nice, cool as a cucumber. Yeah, Looked like a total rock star, of course. Yeah. It was really funny. He is pretty cool as a cucumber. He's so cool. Yeah. He looks amazing. Yeah, he's, uh, he's dope. <laughs> he's dope. He's like definitely making me, I need to like amp my stuff. See, no, I, I, you got your. Don't even. There's no comparison. I, no, I, you got your own rock star style. Thank you, but I, I feel like look like you look fantastic. I want to like you, and I'm like sitting here going, man. So I do you. Look, thank you, but like, what was the funniest story is like uh, when I first started playing with Peter. I was uh, in Portland, and I. I was in this like phase where I was always wearing track suits and like and just like when was this. Not that long ago. I wear athletic gear a lot because right. I'm always exercising. you're about to go on a run any minute. Yeah. And so, like, it's like after a while, it's just like I always have Adidas pants on or something. And I was mm-hmm. down, I was hanging out with him and I had, like, Adidas pants on. But I had, like, we were getting ready to go to, like, walk to the Kava bar because he likes to go drink at, at this Kava bar. And uh, I had, like, my Adidas pants, like, pulled up to my knees and he was like, listen, if we're going to go walk to the Kava bar, you got to like put your pants, like pull your pants down. I can't walk with you like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I did. Okay. But that's a pretty funny story. But so um, yeah. that's really cool that you met him. And yeah. What was I going to ask you about? Oh, yeah. You went to Juilliard. What was yeah. that like? Like, uh, like, did you uh, did you go all four years there or did you I did you completed that I sure did damn you paid for that <laughs> no I'm not still a, paying for it no honey. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a really highly impressive to go to something like because like Juilliard that struck me I mean I never went to college but like because it was intimidating to me and plus yeah. the, my English teachers that told me I had was not college material <laughs> that was like <laughs> wow uh, yeah and so um but how did you get into, like, what made you think about going to Juilliard and how uh, how difficult was that to deal with? Well, getting in was really difficult. You know, I, I wanted to go to Juilliard because I really wanted to go, I, I don't know, like some people that I really admired had gone there. And, and so I got it in my mind that I was going to go there. And this is indicative of my personality where I, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And everybody around me was like, oh, that's cute. That's never going to happen. Nobody gets in there, you know. But that's, they were, that's what I think. Like, how, yeah, how, that yeah. seems impossible. And, for, and I was like in a little town, you know. And, yeah, you're and, in Idaho? Well, I was in California at the time for, oh. for high school. I was in California. And, oh, which and I, town in California? Modesto. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I had a very supportive family and very supportive teachers, but they were still kind of like, Ugh, don't get your hopes up, you know. So I got in my mind that I wanted to go there. It's a classical program, opera program. And so you have to send in a pre-screening tape and you have to of opera uh-huh, and of all these things and then you have to be wait to see if you're invited for an audition and so then oh. i did and and i had applied to a bunch of other places because i was an overachiever and wanted to go to a great college and all that and i get an invite for an audition and so my dad and i fly to new york and i like wear a velvet gown with pearls like it was oh like my oh my god <laughs> i was so ridiculous. i've got to send you pictures of me in this that's era great. it's so rich that's funny as i hell. had like long hair like i was like so buttoned up and so proper and <laughs> so we go to new york where does that come from that part of your personality do what you do you think? mean have you thought about like this that 
this like uh, that part of your personality that is like an overachiever or like or I mean my parents my mom my mom yeah my mom was like you know uh I remember doing like coloring I'd, I she just got me into competitions from early on I remember doing a coloring contest in like first grade and her being like critiquing it and getting I mean so the, that your mom the kind element of like a She's just, she was, they a were baseball tough. Baseball mom kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, they were tough like, on, or not, they were tough on me. They inspired me to be successful. They always came at it like, you know, we don't have a ton of money. And if you want to go to a good college, you got to get great grades. And mm-hmm. to get good grades, you have to do X, Y, Z and do all these. I don't know. I don't know where. And I was also, I fed on that. Some kids reject that and some kids really thrive on it. And I really thrive on, on pressure and. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I started winning things, I got a good response. And then I was, I learned, oh, if I win things, if I succeed, if I get A's, I get a good response. You know, kids mm-hmm. learn that very early. Yeah, you get attention. Yeah. And, and you yeah. get love or, what, or what's yeah. perceived as love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's another episode on that. Yeah. Um, or it could be this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Everything should turn into therapy. I mean, it's why I'm in therapy. That's um, that, yeah. <laughs> that's what podcasts are. They're therapy. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Public therapy. I mean, yeah. I I just found that um, I've always really. I mean, that's why social media is. It's. It's good for me and horrible for a personality like me because I already thrive on being liked and succeeding, getting approval. Uh-huh. And so it's like, I need it. I need social media for my job and for my career, but it's also like, it's very addictive. It's addictive. I'm, I'm very similar yeah. in that way. Like, uh, yeah. The approval. Uh, the and approval. The, oh, but, but, but we're all t- being trained like weird, like weird experiments. Uh, you know, so it's not just people that tend towards overachievement like maybe yeah. you and yeah. me but in fact everybody is like you know but now everybody's like, do, everybody's yeah. now thriving on you know embarrassingly like you know likes and stuff like that it's just like ridiculous after a while but you know it's like it's nothing new though if you were if you're a musician or an actor you know it's not really that new because i mean i was the, if you told a regular, like some banker, an accountant, or anybody, oh yeah, you're just gonna line up with a bunch of other people that look just like you, and you're just gonna sing, you know, for one minute, and then they're gonna decide if you're good enough to get a job. You, they would be like, that sounds insane. That sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that was just like life. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, so I I go to fly to Juilliard. I audition. Then I'm I wait and see if I'm called back. Were other students like in gowns and. Stuff kind like of, this. yeah. Like other people. I mean, it was 20 years ago. I mean, I moved to New York 20 years ago this month. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. It's You've my 20th it. anniversary. You made it here. You could make it anywhere. Right? That's what they say. Yeah. And so, yeah, th- there were some other people that were, I mean, nobody had phones. There wasn't YouTube. There wasn't, it, thank God nobody was capturing me in this era, you know. So I sang and I was kind of like, had probably the least amount of training and background of the other people. But I was so fearless i had no nerves i had no fear i was like oh this is my place i need to be here and where where did you get that i don't know i've always had that yeah yeah i mean it got damaged and killed a little later but but i was really fearless at this time when i was 18. no there's like some kind of part of me like i remember telling my dad when i was like 17 um i'm gonna be the best songwriter in the world 
And I I believed it. I had never written a song before, but I was like, I'm going to be the best songwriter in the world. What do you say? I mean, to him, <laughs> that was like lightning striking. Like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, there was definitely a tension there, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's just say, I'll say that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like, uh, hey, this is your therapy session, not mine. <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> but so, yeah, I had this like, inordinate amount of confidence too like but also Mm. like a incredible like the flip side was this like massive inferiority complex so Mm. it was like a a mix of both things Mm -hmm. but there was some part of me i think it came from the fact that i needed to do something about the massive inferiority complex that it also like manifested into this like area of extreme confidence and mastery yeah like other there was there was some interplay between those two things is that do you think that you were experiencing something similar to that i i haven't had i i don't have an i've never had an inferiority complex i think that the other side of my um my achilles heel was always envy and jealousy and i think that ate up a lot of my 20s it was that i felt um really concerned with other people's paths and why they had something i wanted and it and um, so that was the flip side or the, the dark side of my wanting to be successful and, and drove me was that it's like I shouldn't have been paying attention to other people and why they had what they had because I don't know their story. And now that I'm mm-hmm. therapized a little more and, and have worked on it for years and years, I I realize how many relationships I ruined and, and all, also my own sadness that I brought upon myself by being um, covetous and envious and jealous, mm-hmm. you know. Where do you think that can't, comes from, though? Being covetous, it must come from. Um, it probably comes from an overblown sense of self, or or a, 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 an overblown sense that I deserve, of 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 deserving something that someone else has, and I think that that's really, on one side, sure, it drives me to want things. But it also drives me to think that I am owed something. Why do you think that you're owed something? I don't. I don't know. I. I think that that's what I'm trying to figure out. But I. I don't necessarily feel that right now. Although sometimes it still creeps up. You know, where I feel, why do they have this? And it's like, why do you feel negative about someone else's life? Well, you social. Know? I think social media also kind of plays into that. Too. But I like, felt it before social media existed. Yeah, you know? I used to feel it more than I do nowadays. Like, I yeah, I definitely don't think that it drives me anymore. But yeah. I, I think that it used to cause me a, a lot of pain. Younger thing. Maybe for, for me it was anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just aware that my own path is it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else's path totally. necessarily and vice versa but you know what i think when i was at juilliard i had imposter syndrome big time mm-hmm. and i think they bred it they they absolutely fed into it and were like yeah you don't belong here mm-hmm. and so then it was like some people are i got in and then i i came here and i thought it was going to be all perfect and magical and and then i was kind of like all the things that that I probably should have been afraid of when I was auditioning kind of came true. Like I probably should have been nervous and I probably should have said, oh wow, I don't know anything about music. And I probably, you know, Mm -hmm. then when I got there, it was so tough and so competitive and so dark. Well, there's like seven seven people in a class that want to be opera singers. And then there's 20 actors in a class and there's 15 dancers and then there's a few musicians. And, but it's a class, everybody's kind of in their own lane. They're not competitive amongst one another. 
but what they breed there, at least they used to, is this sense of it's the old school mentality of we're going to break you down to build you back but up. to build you back up. And um, and so it's I think that it is inc- I, I, there is something I really like about that mentality. I think that that I don't I don't think kids should be coddled and I don't think everybody gets a gets a medal. And so I think it's good to learn that sometimes the world, particularly New York, beats you up. And, and w- if you can survive it, maybe that's the sign. And um, But I, it doesn't I, make I it tend, easy. I tend to agree with that. Like, I just think, you know, I don't know. I just know for me personally, the, the well, I've gotten the most benefit out of becoming the most beat down. Yes. Like, the, the absolute biggest gifts in my life have come from the most turmoil and tragic yes. shit that, that I'm still bothered and saddened by to a degree. Some things are irredeemable but still those things push me on a daily basis to uh yeah just to go beyond what i could have been otherwise yeah and and so i just think like yep the thing that that bugs me the most is apathy yeah you know because Mm -hmm. this life is an opportunity to evolve and 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 manifest and create yourself. That's what this is. Like you're supposed to create yourself here. I feel like, and it's like yeah. And you know, it's, and to that, to that, in that vein, I I hate mediocrity. Yeah. I just I can't stand it. That's and well, I'm just that's so apathy. That's, that's, apathy. that's apathy. And that's so that's, much of the music business right now that I feel is just so mediocre and and yeah basic and I'm just like that's not good enough for me. Yeah. And then people are like, well, you're so tough, and and I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah. Fine, call me tough, but I'm not. But you're never gonna call me mediocre, and you're never gonna call me apathetic, right? You know, and yeah, it's just, yeah. and 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 when people say, "Oh, Juilliard sounds tough," I'm like, "Yeah, but would I change it? Probably not, right?" Because and I and that's why I never moved from New York. People mm. are like, "Oh, you should move here or there," and sometimes I think I look at my all my friends' mass exodus to LA, mm-hmm. and and I like being there sometimes, yeah. but it, that way of life is too easy and nice yeah well LA is (laughs) I need to be beaten up I know what you mean LA to me is not easy and nice but I get it I know I know exactly what you mean it's just kind of like it's always the same Mm -hmm. it's beautiful yeah you know and and then I, I, I almost recently moved to the beach and stayed but in Venice no I was gonna I was in Todos Santos Mexico well no that sounds nice it is nice, but I then Ehud uh, a- was up for starting this podcast, and so it like made me stay in New York, and I'm I'm kind of really glad. Well, you can always go visit. It's not yeah, going anywhere. I'm glad I'm here because I agree. I like I like the pressure of it. I do like the uh, the sort of. I like the pressure cooker. I like that that you can be having the best day, and New York's like not so fast. Well, and creativity <laughs> happens from pressure too like yeah. especially like if you need to release something or if you got to close the book on something those kind of things that's what makes an album happen yeah like if you have three days to do something you'll take it'll take three days if you have three months it'll, it'll take, take three, three months. months but also something that happens in new york that doesn't happen anywhere else is that you you just the serendipity and, and running into people mm-hmm. and you know, you and I met by chance, you mm-hmm. know, people meet by chance. And I don't think that, of course, there are, sh- there are people are schmoozing all over the world and they're particularly in L.A., but you don't run into people, mm-hmm. you know, and you're forced to confront people all the time here mm-hmm. in a good way, in a bad way. And so I run into people and I 
and I'm constantly confronted with things that you're not confronted with if you're always in just in your car and then at your meeting and mm-hmm. in your car and at your house. And I think that the the you know being everybody being amongst one another here I think is just special. Yeah, absolutely. And because there's so much emotion there's so much emotional content all the time because of that. Yeah. Like <clears throat> and that's why I find LA actually difficult because it's vacuous to me. Like yes. uh there's something super lonely about it when I'm there. I it's got, so lonely I, I even get, though it's beautiful. It's beautiful and it's cool and I and I, I'm oh, not I'm a so hater lonely. but I get lonely and I get weirded out. Yeah, I do too. You know, and I and it, and I start not knowing what I'm doing with my life Same. and I'm like what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> what you know yeah i'm the same did you have any great mentors or anything like that or like did yes. you have any like uh um yeah tell me okay, about that. i had i had actually one of the um i had a couple of people that really believed in me thank goodness and i think it's what got me through because it's a four-year program you know i had one acting teacher ed berkeley he teaches at circle in the square and other places he really got me and believed in me mm-hmm. i mean he was tough and strange but he got it and this other teacher mary anthony cox she actually just died a couple months ago Mm -hmm. and um she is a legendary teacher Mm -hmm. she taught ear training okay so ear training is you take these classes in like sight reading essentially sight reading and conducting and um training your ear okay and i had not had any formal music lessons before i went to juilliard i had like some voice lessons some this some that choir you know i was 18. So you were just naturally a great singer or something? Like, what yeah, gave I mean, you the I, idea to go to Juilliard? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I just... Like, you had I, no lessons I had voice like, lessons. Okay. You but know, you in my town. You didn't play an instrument. I didn't play an instrument. I try, you know. And um, Mary Anthony Cox, we had the singers have her twice a week or three mm-hmm. times a week. And she's she was from Kentucky. And she was she studied with this very famous teacher called Nadia Boulanger in France. Mm-hmm. Mary Anthony Cox was so tough and so rigid and so like just had this way of being and she did not budge. And I, I think I cried every single class with Miss Cox. Okay. Mm-hmm. And not you, because what, she was mean, because I was, because I wasn't used to being bad at something. And you were frustrated that you weren't like, getting yeah, it. I wasn't, not only was I not that I came from like being the big fish in a little pond and then getting into Juilliard and then being at Juilliard and being like stinking, like being horrible, you right. know, and like being like not getting all A's and not being good, right? Yeah. So Ms. Cox was really tough and, but she saw, and I, and I couldn't sight read and I, could, I wasn't a good sight singer and I wasn't a good at this, wasn't good at that. Can you sight read now? I'm sure, sure enough better. I'm sure yeah. she taught me everything that, that I know about music and uh-huh. she also, figured out that I was really good at atonal music, that I was good at new music, and that I could randomly sight read atonal music, you know, better than everybody else. So she would say, she just would never ever let up. And she would say these things like, I remember her saying, you know, someday you're gonna be on a on a plane and you're gonna you're gonna be using my techniques and you're gonna thank me someday. And I was like, that is ridiculous. I'm never gonna be on a plane sight reading. <laughs> I am on a plane sight reading all the fucking time and i think of her and i think of how Why on a plane because you're on a you way know to just a going here going there learning a new chart whatever uh-huh. oh everything the fact that i even consider myself a musician the fact that i can stand in front of a, a, a 
acquire a string quartet and conduct is because of her and she wasn't mean to me what she was was she was she was saying in her way I'm not going to let up on what is somewhere inside of you and like Mm -hmm. that's the she was the quintessential great teacher you know Mm -hmm. and um I don't know that she thought I was a great singer I don't know that anybody at Juilliard thought I was a great singer but um I survived it and I got through and and I um and I and only and recently I've started to like my classical voice again because mm. of course it, it 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 bred this inferiority and self-loathing in me that I probably was meant to navigate for the next 10 years you know navigate the self-loathing to find your excellence yeah and to find like the love of it again to find the the girl that showed up in the velvet gown and was like I love to sing mm-hmm. <laughs> and I found you know it, but it's okay it's like what else would I have been doing if not that journey, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, you could be doing any number of things. Right. Right. That's interesting. It's an interesting place, you know? It's, it's, you go in, you start, and you think, oh, these hallowed halls, and I'm never going to disrespect it. And, and then it becomes a place. It's just like a place with people, and they're flawed, and they're doing the best they can, and they've got their own inferiority complexes, and they've got their own mm-hmm. agendas. And then you, um, it's just a place. Yeah, that's what I felt like when I went to Real World Records, like Peter Gabriel's studio, yeah. and that whole because there was such a mythology around that too. And totally. and uh, I remember coming into that realization, like, oh, these, everybody's just people, yeah. like you know, like and and most of them don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and everybody's <laughs> just like you know. I just remember working with like really good producers there, and they're like using like effects like weird cheap effects that they got from guitar center too and it's like oh it's just there's no magic place where better than people exist yeah it's it's all just people people. just doing shit yeah and everybody's kind of treading water figuring it out yeah well that's like i think when you're at your best when you're like just kind of figuring it out like uh um you know rock and roll is all about beginnings and not knowing what you're doing that's like a lester bangs quote like not knowing what the fuck you're doing and you know i i like that whole energy mm-hmm. yeah. yeah what were you about to ask did you have a question about broadway <laughs> <laughs> yeah well earlier like about 40 minutes ago um <laughs> you mentioned uh, well we haven't seen each other in a long no, time no. I, it's just <laughs> in the back of my mind i was gonna say something then but we'll i didn't want to cut long. the conversation yeah um you said that, you know, Broadway, you were chasing somebody else's dream um, and not your own. Well, I, what I meant is, is that I, I, I wanted to be there. But once you get there, you're making someone else money. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're making exactly. a producer their money. You're fulfilling their dream. What's like a, what's like a, daily, a daily week, like the scheduled hour by hour for you when you were on Broadway like rehearsals or you just show up for each show like what goes on uh yeah I mean you have a lot that you're you're required to do so it's you know you're you have Monday off you have you go in Tuesday you have a show Wednesday you have two shows so you get up you go to the gym you go to your matinee you you go you do that 45 minutes of prep before your matinee then you do the matinee then you have a dinner break then you do another show then you sign playbills, and then the next day is Thursday, and then you do understudy rehearsal because everybody's pretty much covering something else. And then 
you're there all day and then you do a show and then Friday you do your laundry and you do all the other shit that you haven't done and then you do a show. Saturday you do two shows. Sunday you do two shows. So it's kind of it's a relentless schedule. And it goes on for the duration. Forever of, and ever, right, amen. So there's no break. There's no, no. No, you get two vacation weeks a year if you're lucky enough for your show to last a year. You know, um, you don't get, you don't. So nobody calls out on Broadway. It's a grind. It's a grind, but it's it's also a tradition. And w- going back to what you just said about they're not singing their own music, it's just a different genre. That's like compl- yeah. that's yeah. like comparing a book to a movie. It's a completely different but genre. That but that's a hoot for you. Yeah, that, but that's the type of no, shit he'll doesn't say. That, doesn't that frustrate, <laughs> like, like if you're a Broadway star, it's not the same as being a rock star. Like people, It's apples and oranges. Right. Um, I, but it doesn't frustrate people? That why would it? Why, I don't know. Frustrate who? Like, that you're like, I would want to be a Broadway. Like, I mean, I do my own music, but I, I would it, love to be on a Broadway show. It's completely different. It's a different like, it would genre. Just be, just be a whole different... Yeah, just be a I whole different pursuit. It's like doing a podcast. It's like, right. yeah, it's a, it'd be like saying, I don't like podcasts because you're not like singing your own song while you're podcasting. It's like, yeah, <laughs> okay, but that's not it. the I'm point. I'm just comparing it to like to singer-songwriters or <laughs> but, rock but and it's roll. Not, but, you, but it's not that, you know, it's kind of like the, the, not everybody wants to be a rock star. Some people want to be a ballerina in the New York City Ballet, and some people want to write a novel, and some people, you know, want to make money in the stock market. Not everybody has the same goals. And if your goal is to to stand on that stage eight show a week and be and be a complete warrior and do that every night, you know, the Nathan Lanes and the BB Newerths and the Carly Carmelos, you know, Terry Mann, some of these people that I've had a privilege of watching every single night who never call out and never miss a show, and ne- and. It's it's pretty. It's a totally different art form. How do they do it if they're like super sick or have the flu or some shit like that? Well, I mean, if you're really sick, of course you call out. But they yeah. they wait till they. It's like the show must go on. It's like, like a real old school mentality. I, see, I like which that. is so like cool to see. I I I, I like that whole. Kind and it of does energy. it does get tiring to do the same shit every night, but some people really thrive on it and love it. And I, if the right show came along, I would love to do it again. You know. But um, I think that it's 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 a whole lifestyle, and they're just people that you know, um, that really make that entire world exist. And it's the ensembles. The ensembles of Broadway shows are the complete fire underneath um, theater because they keep it alive. You know, having a leading lady or a leading man is one thing, and they're nothing without their company. Right. You know what I mean? Mm. Of course, they're amazing too. But the companies, these people that you know, they make. They just make the shows really special because they move the scenery and they're backstage doing everything and they're helping to keep the leading lady and the leading man, you know, afloat. Did you see Birdman? I did. What do you think of that? That's like Broadway, right? Like the whole. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. I loved I loved the way it was shot. The whole behind the scenes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And how what goes on when people leave the stage. And, yeah, yeah. Just it's that. really is it, cool. Is it? like that in a Broadway show in terms of just like the characters and things like that or is that's it, like an extreme or, version but yeah, yeah I think that a that's movieized yeah, version. A, yeah 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 um, but I think it's there are tons of characters and there's lots of antics that go on backstage yeah yeah and my other comparison question was the Uh-oh. show you said lasted 27 days <laughs> So how does how does something like that happen? How, how much time before the show were the rehearsals, and then 
<laughs> no, because think about a band. Think I'm, again. I'm comparing it to a band. They go right. on tour, and after 27 days, they're like, "Okay, guys, this isn't working for us. We're done." Like, no, pe- people really people make whole records at at, at labels and then get shelved, and mm-hmm. their careers die. We could do an entire five hours about why shit doesn't get is is mismanaged. Shows open and close all the time, and it's really fucking expensive, and it it makes a rock star tour look like pennies. It takes so many years and hours and millions of dollars to put up a Broadway show, a big Broadway musical. In that show in particular, it had been in the works for years. I came in and was involved in one workshop and the Broadway production, and the out of town and the Broadway production. We did like four weeks of previews and like four weeks of shows. Um, I could never even tell you what goes on in the books to make a show close like that. But if you're if you're that interested, there's lots of information about. I mean, there's like 10 Broadway shows closing this month. It's a bloodbath. Really? It's, it's so expensive. It's so expensive. Unless you know? you're Bruce Springsteen, then you just take your guitar. Well, his overhead's nothing. But, um, so, when's your album going to come out? Uh, well, it, we're going to do a couple singles this fall. And uh, I'm doing a couple music videos and a couple singles. And uh, got to do even more. Like, we're doing five singles before we even put out the record. That's our plan. That's mm-hmm. the new thing. Like everybody's I don't putting care about singles. Everybody's putting out like five singles before they put out the project. Okay. That's well, the new shit. I'll do a couple this fall, and then the pre-order goes up in November. And then um, I just can't afford to make a bunch of music videos. They're expensive. I don't think you got to make a video for everything, though. That's true. That's you know? true. But anyway, yeah, do it, do it however, but that's our plan. Cool. Yeah. You, you're starting in October? Well, the album comes out October 11th, but like when we put out the first single today or this last week, and then our plan is to put out, I think, five. Oh, cool. Okay. Tracks before the album comes out. Great. Yeah. So you. So what's when? And yours, then probably when's yours released? Full album, probably top of 2020. Oh, okay. So you don't have like a projected date yet, street date yet. No, probably. I'm. I think maybe February. Valentine's Day-ish, maybe. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm excited about it. When's the... Is it done? It's getting... It. We're mixing it next week in Memphis. And then we're mastering it September 4th. Uh, and then it'll... You know, then I'll just be working on artwork and... Who's mixing it? Um, Scott McEwen, who, run, who owns Memphis Magnetic. Because uh-huh. he's mixing to tape. And then um, Greg Calby at Sterling Sound is going to master it. I know Greg. Yeah, he's awesome. Shout out to Greg Calby. He's, oh. he's a genius. What a mas- genius. Mastering engineer. What a genius. That's what a sweetheart. He's done everything. Mm-hmm. John Lennon. Yeah. He's mm. so good. Yeah. And it's the best. Mastering day is the best, don't you think? Because mm. you go and you sit and you no. listen to your ho- <laughs> You don't think it's the best? No. I love the sitting and... he said that. He's like, <laughs> no. Honey, uh, uh-uh. I think just sitting down and listening to your record I mean, front to back for the first time ever. Yeah. No, that's pretty good, magical. But I like it's when you got to let go of everything. I find that like super unnerving, and I freak out. Oh, then, and then I like have to like, oh, what about this? I mean, I still have a. a so you're controlling too. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely. Like yeah, on on that level, I mean, it's the the combination of letting go and holding on and all that. Like that that relationship, just yeah. like 
I find that very unnerving. Like finally letting go, because nothing's ever done. It's like I know. It's just uh, no work is ever done. It's it's abandoned. That that mm. there's, a, there's that quote. Mm-hmm. I forget what the quote is, but nothing is ever done. And it's all and it's also letting go of your perfectionism because nothing is perfect. Yeah. So and it's this thing you've been working on for so long, and it almost can't possibly sort of live up to everything that you've imagined built up in your and mind built up and, and everything that it represents so it's like i find mastering to be like a collision of all those oh, energies wow yeah how well, do you let go joe well <laughs> at what point you're like okay when i have to like when when there's deadline? a d- when there's a date and there's a manager getting mad at me on the other end of the phone usually and then i'm like <laughs> okay i have to let go like that's it and then uh, yeah you know, and I mean, yeah, so, but, but on the other side, hearing it as in the best state you've ever heard it is also, you know, celebratory. So I get it on that level too. Like, and it feels like a new beginning for the record. Yeah. Was, you know, or like who knows what could happen. Yeah. Yeah. So what you guys are mixing to uh, what quarter inch tape or yeah. half inch tape or quarter inch? I can't remember. One of them. One of them. Tape. And and, and on a what kind of board? Neve board or no? You know? On a on the um. Oh God, I'm gonna die if I don't remember. Um, on the API. No, he's got the that. SSL. Bo- no. Um, I got a picture of it. Where is it? I've seen a picture of it. On I can't remember. It what was the one. It was in the Grand Ole Opry. It was the. But there's only 25 of them in the world. What's the name of that board? I don't know. Are those are the only three I know the name of. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come to me. But yeah, it's amazing. And uh, so you guys I'm not the t- I'm not the like gear person. Yeah, I'm horrible. The fact that I even remember what mic I sang on is a miracle. But so like you're ma- you're mixing the whole thing on this board. Uh-huh. Do you know if it's automated or not the board? Uh-uh. You don't know. It's not. Oh, it's not. So they're going to be kind of performance mixes. Yeah. That's another thing I think that is really, really cool is uh, performance mixes. Yeah. yeah. That should be great. I won't be there for the mix. No? No. Well, I mean, I, no, I'm, I'm good. I got to go sing and do other things. They'll mix it. It'll be great. I trust yeah. them. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it's like there's, the thing about doing an album this way is like, there's not that mm, many elements. Mm. You know, there's just, I, I didn't do an ad-lib track every, you know, every other record I've done, I've done like a Mariah Carey ad-lib track on every single track. I've done like mm-hmm. 22 tracks of Morgans doing BGVs and I've mm-hmm. done all this other stuff. So there's stuff. all kinds of decisions Oh, to so make. many decisions, so many tracks. Yeah. But this is like, there's one Morgan. Yeah. There's one background vocal <laughs> fader. There's one string fader. And it's like, how much can you fuck it up? You know, it's like, make it sound rich and warm and delicious and call it a day you know it's like there's there's it takes the the decision making out of it in some ways because it's just like you know it's am i happy with my lead vocal you know yeah great am i happy with what the guys did yes well i can't wait to hear it yeah i think it's gonna be cool it sound it 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 seems like it is gonna sound great in my head it sounds great (laughs) (laughs) i hope i hope people like it i think it's i think it's representative of what i do on stage you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think it'll be fun. Now I just, my favorite part is like making the artwork and the packaging. I love that. Yeah, I'm in that mix right now. What are you doing for your art? 
Did just you like, uh, painting? Just photos. Photos. Yeah. But actually, we made a video for the next single called Streetcar. We painted like uh, um, this whole old photo of Led Zeppelin and the city winery office and the videos all around that. I, oh, cool. Yeah. My ex-girlfriend's in the video, which is pretty cool because oh, it's a cool. song about a relationship that's over. Oh, great. You know, but it's yeah. an uplifting song about that. So, okay. Yeah. So that's cool. It's pretty cool. And, she, and she's a painter, so we painted it together. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's deep. It was pretty deep, actually. Yeah. Worked out. Hey, so before we go, though, I want to do, like, do we? can we do some cards? Do you have the, any yeah. of those cards? Yeah, they're right here. Hold what on. cards? Hold on. Yeah, we just want you to pick some cards and then get your take on them. All right, great. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Are you going to tell me my, my I don't know. future? Sometimes they're fun. Sometimes they're... I just choose one? Yeah. All right. All right. You read it. I read it? Uh-huh. Any plunge into the unknown is reckless, but that's where the treasure lies. Is that all it says? Yeah. What do you think? Um, it's so about what we've been talking about about New York. Yeah. What do you mean? Um... I don't know. I think that we just, how old were you when you moved here? Yeah, I was, uh, I guess mid twenties, mm -hmm. 25. Did you have any reason to be here? Like, did you know what you were going to do with your life? Well, at that point I was already signed. I got signed to okay. Peter Gabriel's right. label. And you came from Georgia? And I came from Georgia. Yeah. But I mean, I originally am from Ohio, but then I moved to Georgia and then I lived in London for a year okay. and then I moved here. So I was like, but before that, I would come because uh, I had friends here and stuff like that. So I would visit for long it's periods. It's just funny, this, like, about treasure, because, it, you know, I always, when people bitch about New York, I always say, well, it's like, you know, that's that's where diamonds made, are made. You know, it's like between two rocks, you know right. what I mean? And, and the pressure. Yeah, What's pressure. What's it say again? Well, any plunge into the unknown is reckless, but that's where the treasure lies. Mm-hmm. I think that so m I mean, I think so much of like all of my dreams feel like that plunge, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like the I, I would like the title Reckless Treasure. Yeah. Well my last album was Reckless Abandon. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What's yours say? Mine says we have forgotten that the natural foe to life is not a distant death, but a present in the moment detachment from living. Wow. <laughs> if there was ever a card made for Joseph Arthur. Um, yeah. What do you think? I, yeah, let me see. We have forgotten the natural. Yeah, uh, but an, a present in the moment detachment from living. Yeah, I've, I work very hard on um, uh, every day just becoming attached to living. Like That's why I like to start my days like with a run or going to yoga or something like that because yeah. when you first wake up your tendency especially if you check the phone which I'll allow myself to do um, a lot almost all the time with the caveat that <laughs> it's going to lead into going to yoga or going on a run where I'll put my phone either off if it's in yoga then I'm then I'm away from my phone for at least two hours because I'm a 90 minute yoga class and then I, at least 30 minutes on my walk home where I won't look at the phone. 
So that's two hours without my phone, which to me is mentally super healthy. And mm-hmm. then, of course, I'm on it all day again. But still. No, but you're it, very inspiring it, with the way. At least I'm off of it. Yeah. 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 And you're very present. And you, I think you inspire other people to be more present and more um, and definitely inspire people to be more active. In yeah. their in their physical and spiritual lives. Yeah, they're connected. I feel like. Those yeah, I think that that's an amazing thing that you, in addition to your art, in addition to your music, that you inspire people to do. Yeah, well, that that feels like more like my m- current purpose, even more so than music and art, which yeah. I'm still very passionate about, and I feel yeah. like I'm doing some of the best things. I'm done, but yeah, my real heart and passion is to try to become like a kind of a motivator, I think, and in, in, in that's what interests me the most, yeah. in a yeah. way. But the um, but yeah, instead of identifying with your thoughts, because like if you identify with your thoughts first thing in the morning, and then you stay as a thought the whole day, like that's like hell on earth in a way, because then you're just like you know your th- monkey mind is not who you should be identifying with all the time. And that's what most people are, I feel like. Or it's painful to identify with that. So mm-hmm. working on yoga or running is a way of like identifying with the more the witness presence of your, the presence of your side that's witnessing your thoughts. Mm. You, know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, and that to me is how I read this card about um, to the, the foe is a detachment from living because I feel like that brings me into like a being attached to living I don't know life purpose am I reading it yeah okay usually we do these on helium (laughs) we just don't have the tank here with us (laughs) yeah this is called school Uh uh-huh interesting the answer that you're seeking involves going to school (laughs) (laughs) full circle full circle (laughs) school of life (laughs) <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Gosh. Mary Anthony, it's an angel. Yeah. That's the teacher what it, I was talking that's about. That's what it says, huh? The answer. Sure does. Huh. The answer you're seeking involves going to school. Yeah. There you go. I feel like, yeah, life's a giant school, basically. Yeah. That sounds like some hippie shit to say about her after you smoke some weed. <laughs> <laughs> if we are on helium, this would be really... About Mine to says it. yoga. Oh, <laughs> it does? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It says, Can't make this your life up. is enhanced by yoga, stretching, and exercising. <laughs> well, there you go. That's us <laughs> in a nutshell. It started strong and then went down. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? It simplified it a little bit. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Stretching. It's more yeah. not stretching. It's more than that. Yeah. <laughs> Would you ever see that Penn and Teller show called Bullshit? Yeah, I, l- I used to love it. I used that to tell people pr- to watch the one about bottled water. Everyone that was crazy about recycling because they totally mm-hmm. um, I know, dismantled that. Dismantled yeah. recycling. It's a great show. And they dismantled yoga too oh, on an episode. Did? And they and the way they reduced it uh, was uh, they said it's stretching, right. which <laughs> I think is pretty. I think it's funny. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Like, it is. I mean, it is. <laughs> you know, it's just really like intense, like yeah, multifaceted stretching. But right. it's like, so do you do? I mean, do you, how do you maintain your health and 
beauty and physique. And <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to figure out a way to say it. But I you're thought in, you were still 22. Yeah, you're like in oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um, Not to be too flattery, but you know, uh, I'll yeah, take it. yeah, look great. Thanks. I mean, and so like, do you have? I know we got to wrap it up soon, but do you have a routine or anything? Like, what do you do? Do you do? Well, I'm stuff? vegan. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm vegan, which I love. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that is a huge, huge component. I think what you what you put into your body is really, mm-hmm. really important. Um, uh, I try to, I try to drink a ton of water, and um, but I drink alcohol and I drink coffee, and you know. I love coffee. I love coffee. Oh my god. But I but I got myself down to like just like two cups in the morning. I don't like do it all day, and then I I. I don't, I mean, it's like basically just running around is like only exercise. I mean, I used to lift all the time. And you don't way do more. like a daily exercise or some kind of exercise routine? I mean, anything? I ride my bike, but not real. Not I'm not like Joseph Arthur. You That's know? the other cool thing about New York is it does make you exercise. I mean, I'm always hoping just around. By yes. like, just by getting around. And I'm hauling shit. Like I fly f- several times a week. I'm like yeah. running through airports and I'm hauling bags. So you're on tour all the time. Yeah. Right? Wow. Not right now. I mean, right now for the next couple of months, I'm just doing kind of one-offs and pr- and symphony work and solo solo engagements. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I need to get more exercise. Is the vegan thing hard to deal with on the road? Uh, no. The only place it's hard is in Europe. Yeah. In Europe, you're, I mean, I'm not like a gold star vegan. Nobody's going to give me an award. Because if I'm in Europe, it's like, there's butter in everywhere. You know, unless you're in a vegan mm, kitchen. butter. It's delicious. <laughs> it's like, there's, unless you're in a vegan kitchen, there's butter in everything, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I do the best I can. Yeah. I'll say that. It's yeah. not like, I'm not really going to be like the face of PETA. Mm-hmm. I do the best I can, you know? Right. But But I do love being plant-based and I love animals and I love the way that being the vegan diet makes me feel right and I, I think that it feels and i think it's better for the environment and i think it's better for our bodies huh. and i i love it how long have you been vegan um a year and a half and i w- i've been vegetarian for seven years that's wild yeah and i would kind of eat fish here and there when i was a vegetarian i would kind of be like every now and again i would eat fish and then i kind of went to tokyo ate all the fish never ate it again i went, went out on top I'm good. I'm like, I'm good. I, <laughs> I did had it. the best. <laughs> I had the best. I'm good. But yeah, I, uh, and then I just, I'm, I'm really paranoid and deathly afraid of doing anything to my face. <laughs> I mean, everybody my age is pumping their face full of shit and that's their prerogative. Really? Oh yeah. I'm against that. I've never done it. Well, I'm, you're, well, you're not men, a, men don't have I'm the same dude, pressure. But yeah, like, I, I mean, still. But though. you also, your physique is, it is, it's, it could have its own Instagram. And you know, it's so it's. I think that you know what it's what it's like to have a, you know. That's your new account, Joseph Arthur's physique. <laughs> Joseph Ar- <laughs> Joseph Arthur's body. Um, uh, no, it's like shots from here. Down. <laughs> Listen, you won't hear any complaints. Um, I actually, his Instagram is already kind of that. No, no, he's blushing. No, it has <laughs> been. I, it reminds me. I try to like, you, you hey, listen, I try to tone I'm it down. I'm teasing you. I'm you, teasing no, you. It's tease worthy, no, though. Listen, it should posted, be, I should be teased. You posted a photo. I appreciate it's it. It's getting too, a little thirsty. You, you posted a shirtless <laughs> photo of yourself. I did. Uh, t- no, wait, a while back. I and actually, then James, James Maddock. Oh, yeah. He, the he way, replied. 
Uh, do, you have, do you not own a T-shirt? Do you not own a shirt? <laughs> and then a friend yeah. of mine, Sarah, replied to him, and he's like, "Hey, buddy, calm down. Some of us don't mind." It. Yeah, <laughs> some of it, don't try to ruin our joy. Well, no, but like James Maddock and I, that, that's because he's written that like a, several times. Yeah, like yeah. every time I post it's anything, funny. and it's a great thing now. And that's then amazing. and then uh, and then one time, and then he posted one of his like just his feet in the dashboard. I'm like. And then I wrote on his, like, do you even have shoes? Do you own shoes? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, so then it's become like a thing. And then, uh, and then to, I saw him at the city winery closing. And I'm yeah. like, dude, let's do a shirt. Let's, let's like do a shirt. Like, we did a photo. Anyway, oh my God, he's amazing. a great dude. He, shout out to James. Shout yeah. out to James. He was on this podcast too. So, yeah, I'm very paranoid about doing anything to my face. You know, it's like, yeah, you well, know, and I'm in a very vain business. We all are, you know, but yeah. it's um, and so many everybody I know, like, is doing filler and Botox. and It scares the shit out of me. Yeah. I'm like, I like my face. I like that. Like, well, you don't need I mean, you don't need well, to do anything. No, like, thank you. But you, you're you're fine. Thank <laughs> like, you. And I mean that in thank both you. ways. You're fine and you're fine. <laughs> you know, like it's like, yeah. you know, you're fine. You don't need to. But I like the way a woman's face look looks when she lives. Yeah, you know? aging I is do. not a bad thing. I think thing. it's sexy. I think yeah. it's like, I like the way people look when they get a little age. Yeah, when they have wisdom. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want to look like somebody else. Yeah. And I feel like that's what people start looking like. They start looking like somebody else. And that's, I like the the things that I earned on my face. Yeah. I don't I don't want to do the plastic surgery thing. Don't do it. Nah, I'm not going to do it. You don't, I have, had a dream you don't have quite like, the same pressures that women yeah, do. Yeah, because I got this one line right here, and I had a dream that I was like getting Botox in that line. Don't do it. No, I'm not going to. I know. Okay. I, with, Are you getting like, more tattoos? What is your? Tell me your tattoo I journey. I don't know. When was the last time you got one? It's been years and years. So, so these are all just, these have been living with you. Just like, the they're just relics of the past Relics of the point. past, okay. Yeah. But that I, could be an album. Yeah, but I, I mean, I could end up getting more. I'm not opposed to it. Like, if I met, like, an amazing tattoo artist and there was, like, a thing to do. But at the same time, tattoos hurt. Right. You know, like, that's <laughs> one, the last one I got, I was like. Where was the last one? I can't even remember, but maybe it was, like, this skull or something like that. And then, uh, and I was just like, damn, this really hurts. They? Yeah, Fistful of Mercy. Yeah, we all like got this. We all got this mercy tattoo. Like me, Danny Harrison, and Ben Harper and Jesse Green all have this exact mercy. Mm. And you yeah. have some astronaut ones too. That you oh yeah, this about. one. Right. Yeah. So. I hear it's addictive. It is, but I'm. I don't have it that addiction anymore. You know. Now it's just like, <laughs> it's on there from years ago. I like Henry Rollins talks about it. Like uh, when people bring up tattoos he, he's like yeah i haven't gotten a tattoo in like you know 20 years or something i'm not really about that anymore he says it in a certain way that's pretty interesting like this is just the paint old paint you know mm-hmm. and i kind old of paint re- or old paint or, no paint he said or something i i'm i'm paraphrasing yeah, yeah. he said it better than that but i kind of relate to that like where it's like it's part of my past yeah it's not really anything i regret because it's just it's on, you know, it's yeah. just who I am, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't get them removed. No, no. You know, unless unless they came up with some like way where it's just like you could just remove it by just Rubbing doing something. Ru- like <laughs> something like that. Then I would think about it maybe just to, because it would be, if it was simple to do it. Clean slate. You know, but I, I probably wouldn't even then. I don't know, because there's something about tattoos that like, I don't know, they just become part of you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Do you have any? I don't. Uh-uh. No, well, you shouldn't. I'm, I don't think you're planning on it. I, I wasn't planning on it. I don't feel it. like no. you're the tattoo type. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what I would... It doesn't seem like it. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think you're headed Just in that direction. Blank canvas. <laughs> yeah, stay, stay a blank canvas. Well, Morgan James, thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah. nice to see you again. It's really nice to see you, too. And where could people follow oh, you yeah. online, Morgan? Oh, Get, yeah. Let's give all your socials and um, everything. On Instagram and Twitter, Morgan A. James. A stands for? My middle name, Alan. Because Morgan James was taken. <laughs> um, my website is morganjamesonline.com. And my Facebook is, mm, yeah, I think Morgan James Online. Morgan James Online. Yeah, and my YouTube channel, Morgan James Online. You can find me uh, every all streaming, anywhere music is sold and videos and everywhere. Go listen to Morgan James. She can sing her ass off, y'all. <laughs> I'm telling Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We still got to do a, we should do a video for my channel. Remember I told you that? We definitely should. Let's, right, do, let's it. do it. Let's do it this next couple weeks. You want to? Are you around or when are I'm you? I'm back uh, end of August. Let's do it. I would love to. Okay, cool. I would love to do that. We could what, just pick a cover song, Are you song, in the same right? apartment? No, I, I moved to the East Village. Oh, cool. I'm in Manhattan now. Well, welcome. Yeah, thank you. I loved your place. Yeah, did you? It was kind of weird. I liked it. But, uh... <laughs> um, well, yeah. I want to I can come over, you can come over, and we do video. Yeah, I would, love, I would love to do that. Cool. And then, do we do a cover song? Yeah. Which one should we do? Uh, we could do anything. What do you think we should do? No, absolutely oh, not. On. I'm vetoing okay. that. Veto. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's Veto. That? No one's done he, a Marilyn He's from Manson Ohio. <laughs> um, what you Where are you from in Ohio? Do? Akron. Just find okay. a good duet. Or we could make any song a duet. Do Landslide. Maybe we should do... Who do you like? Who do you I love? don't know. I was just like thinking when you asked me where I'm from, I'm from Akron. We could do a Pretenders song. Great. Brass in pocket. Yeah. I'll stand by you. Okay. Yeah, let's do. Let's like uh, start uh, start thinking about that. But I look forward to that. I'm gonna make you. What's that? Brass in pocket. Yes, yeah, sing something. Right, uh, how's that go? Make you want me. I'm gonna use my legs. Gonna use my arms. I can't remember that. <laughs> gonna use my. Gonna use my finger. Finger. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so good when you sing. Well, thank you. Hmm. <laughs> I'll stand by you is a great song too. I'll stand by you. I'll stand by you. Won't let nobody hurt you. I'll stand by you. Uh, in the darkest hour. Have you ever uh, sung, do you know the Ho'oponopono prayer? I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. No, but I see your beautiful paintings of it. We should sing that. Okay, great. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Can you sing with me? Ready? I, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Can I do a harmony? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love you. I'm you gotta stay on the melody. <laughs> Please forgive <laughs> me. Thank you. Come on, Joe. I didn't go to Juilliard. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Morgan. Thank you. It was my best. pleasure. Thank you. All right. See you Bye. later. See Bye, everybody. <laughs> 
Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. <laughs>